Well, good day everybody. Here we are again. And uh, thanks for coming in to watch this and listen to these things. And I hope that you're uh, getting something out of it. That you're being um, stirred or encouraged to do further study on your own and to delve into these things and not just take what someone tells you, but look into the Bible and uh, see if these things are so. That's the best thing. That's the safe thing. These, especially these days, the days of deception. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, about the deception of the end times and the deception that will come upon the earth. The Antichrist comes on the scene and such. But the deception that leads up to that as well. My name is Pastor Paul. That's what they call me, I guess. And uh, I am a pastor. And my name is Paul. And uh, here we are. Um, to have a look and see what the Bible says about these particular things. We go through the book of Revelation. This is video number 15, I believe. And we're in chapter 6. And last time we did a quick look at the four riders of the apocalypse, as we call them. I'm just going to back up a little bit and look at them uh, again and look at these things and see some things that uh, well, we need to talk about. We'll have a word of prayer first of all. Father, we just want to thank you in Jesus' name that we can study the word of God, that we can hold it in our hands, Lord. Help us to understand these things today, Lord, and we just pray that these things be good for us and that we would uh, receive the blessing that's in, uh, mentioned in your word about um, reading and to uh, uh, keeping these things, hearing and keeping these things that are written here in. Lord, we just pray that you just would uh, just comfort and guide each one. Lord, meet the needs as they come up. Lord, but we just pray right now that you give us understanding and help us as we look at your word. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a look at the uh, um, well, last time we looked at the writers on the, uh, of the apocalypse. Uh, I believe personally, but what I believe personally doesn't really matter, and people's opinions don't really matter. The Word of God is what matters. That's the bottom line of things. If somebody comes along and says, well, I think this, as long as what you think is based upon what the Word of God says, and you back it up with Scripture, and Scripture determines uh, your doctrine and what you believe in such and what you think, this is no time, this is no place for... Uh, opinions and such like that. Not that people don't have opinions, everybody has an opinion, but uh, you can't uh, interpret the Bible from what you think and such. The Bible's got to be and, and is just sound as the Word of God and that's our foundation that we stand upon. We looked at uh, last time the, uh, the rider on the, the white horse going forth when that first seal is opened, when the Lord Jesus Christ opens that first seal and uh, we notice that uh, the uh, a sound of thunder or the noise of thunder actually means the voice of thunder, a voice like thunder. Uh, and, and John was given the invitation to come and see. And one of the things for us to consider in that is that the invitation to John may be an invitation to all of us, or we take the application for ourselves, the invitation to approach the things of God and look into them. Into, we can look into coming events. People are fascinated by the future and such, and people want to know what the future holds and things. Read the Bible, it'll tell you what's going to happen uh, upon the earth and what's going to take place and what, how it's going to come about. And the Lord wants us to look into these things. Uh, God uh, 
in these days he's working to draw out, call out people for himself. That's what God is doing in this what we call the church age. God is calling out people who believe in Jesus Christ his son and trust in the, the son of God who gave himself on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And he wants us to look into the word of God. He wants people to read the, uh, the book of Revelation. He wants people to read it, uh, uh, the gospels and all of it to stir our hearts and for us to see and, and we look at the end times things here in Revelation and the Lord wants us to study these things and know the things that are happening know the things that are coming uh, down down the road that we're, we're um, prepared and so on but he wants us to look into those things uh, and uh, we want to look at the uh, these riders on the horizon as it were and the horizon seems to be getting closer and closer, but uh, we've been saying that for a long time, but we also have some things happening in our, in our world that have never happened before. And some things that uh, a lot of people are wondering, well, is this it? Is this what's taken place? Well, let's have a look at some of the things here. One of the things we want to see when, um, when the rider starts to go forth, this one, that this, this individual is riding on this white horse. Now we know that the white horse is a, is a copycat thing. The Lord Jesus is going to return, it says, on a white horse, chapter 19. So there's going to be deception. Okay, Right off the bat we see that it's de deception is indicated here. This white horse, he's going to give the appearance of good and all that is pure and so on and so forth. But he's not going to be. This is a deception, isn't it, to fool Christ. I mean, to fool people. This is a false Christ. He'll ride up on the scene and he will deceive many. The, the idea is to deceive many into accepting him and then he changes his tune later on, halfway through that seven-year period that he sets up. But he wants people to believe that he is the Christ. The Lord Jesus told the Jews at one time, he says something in the, to the effect that uh, me you will, you don't re, you will not receive, but there's another coming in his name, him you will receive. He's referring to the Antichrist. This is him on the white horse coming in upon the scene. He comes upon the scene with flatteries. He has, uh, um, some have said, well, maybe he perhaps is a military type individual because he has this, this bow. Well, maybe not, but it doesn't talk about arrows being shot. It doesn't talk about shots being fired. Maybe the arrows have already been fired. Maybe that's part of the, the conquering and so on and so forth. We don't know. He conquer, conquers by deception, though, rather than bloodshed. He's going to get his way in. He's not uh, arriving on the scene with the horns and the pitchfork and everything else. He's coming in as deception, showing himself that he is someone who he's not, and that's Christ himself. Now the world is getting uh, ready to accept uh, uh, an individual. The world's kind of coming together. Uh, world patterns and things are being being uh, uh, formed and brought together and programmed to accept this sort of thing, whether people know it or not. Maybe there's some that are looking for these things. And, and there's been that talk all along of looking for an individual to rule in these things. But as we look at, we look at, uh, you take communism and the dependence on government in uh, uh, one of the things that communism says that is that there is no God, that the state will be God to you and provide everything. And people are turning that way and, and have a mindset of that, of looking to the government for everything and every, every problem. You know, this 
uh, current uh, crisis that has come upon the whole world, uh, where do people look? What's, what, what's been the call? It's been the call to government to do something. What about calling out to God? Very few are doing that, very few. But deception is the weapon of this individual and uh, bringing that all about, bringing this kind of a, 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 a communistic, socialistic state. And it will come upon the whole world because that's what it's about here. And you see the results of it down through this and then later on in chapter 13 it gets even worse but we see the things taking place around about us how that uh, even morals are, are relaxing and such relaxing it's like there isn't any um, it's just one of the things that goes along with this whole thing this moral freedom this anti-religion anti bias and, and things like that socialism one world government has been uh, um, uh, uh, talked about even in through, through recently in this this crisis, but he will unite the world. The world will go through times of economic hardships and problems, and, and perhaps things like you just come through and are going through. And he will have all the answers. He will be a superhuman, a super politician, have the answers. He comes in with flatteries. The Bible tells us in all these diff different things. They've been given a crown. He'll uh, be, be given a victor's crown. The world will accept him and place him up as the leader of this new uh, governmental thing. The Bible talks about how it will be divided up into ten. There'll be ten kings, and he will rise up to be the the number one. And in the midst of that, he'll basically, basically, be the king of the world. But he has no right to that throne. But God's going to let it go that way and let mankind just go into the worst of the worst times and then the Lord is going to pour out his wrath upon this earth. You'll see the wrath of man through this first bit down through here, through these things. Then you'll see the wrath of the devil as he's angry and, he, uh, and in uh, chapter 12 talks of that and in chapter 13 as he uh, begins his persecution of the Jews and such again. But then you're going to see the wrath of God in here as well. And that's the thing that uh, people need to be concerned with. What about that day of wrath? Where are you going to be? Uh, where are you going to stand? God is going to pour out his wrath upon this world at some time. You say, well, that's not very nice, but it's just. And God is just. Should we let criminals, should we let uh, uh, criminals off? I know that's what takes place in court systems. It seems to be that uh, the law is slacked, as it says back in Habakkuk, and wrong judgment does proceed. But what kind of a judge would let uh, uh, all errors and things just go and, and just say, oh, never mind that? No, God is a just judge, and he will judge the earth, and he will judge nations, and he will judge individuals. The good news of it is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross of Calvary as the Lamb of God, as the uh, uh, sacrificial lamb for our sins. And we know that we're sinners. Everybody knows that we're sinners, right? We know that in our hearts that there's things wrong. And God wants to address that and for us to see that and acknowledge that. That's the first step. Acknowledge your sin and then acknowledge the Savior, your need of Christ, your need of God Almighty, and that your sins are paid for by Christ on the cross of Calvary. God manifest in the flesh went to the cross of Calvary 
died on that cross and was buried and rose from the dead on the third day. Now for individuals, it's just to believe, accept Christ, receive trust in Him, put your faith in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. The wrath of God, the wrath of the Father was upon Christ on the cross. The punishment of our sins was upon Him. If you don't accept that, or if you never hear, or a person never hears that, or individuals just refuse that, if they're living through this time that we're talking about here, they're going to experience the wrath of God upon this earth and then judgment after they die. The unbelievers today, well, let's back up a bit. When we die, see, we're a three-part being, body, soul, and spirit. We die, our body goes into the ground. Your spirit is eternal and lives forever, either in heaven or hell, to be brought up to face judgment, Revelation chapter 20, and then cast into the lake of fire afterwards. It's a terrible and horrible thing. But to note that Jesus Christ paid for our sins. This individual's, individual wants to set himself up as the savior of the world. He's going to bring in um, a one world, there'll be a one world religion, economic system, uh, political system. Everybody just do it as they feel under his rule and such. The world as we know it will not be, and things will just be backwards and everything, but it's only going to last for a little while. He'll be given the crown, but he comes conquering to take the world. Someone has said that he'll be the last natural man to try and uh, bring peace to the world. Others have tried to bring peace, and others have tried to dominate and rule over. Uh, the world will be fooled by him for, for a while. This false peace will last three and a half years. That he will break his covenant with the with the, the Jewish people, Daniel 9:27. This is not Jesus. This is not the Lord Jesus. Some think it is. This is not Jesus. But there's a question comes out. The question comes up rather, and is is asked. Is this uh, individual goes forth on this white horse, conquering, and the whole world will turn to. Uh, to him, because the whole world will be, I believe, in some kind of a crisis, economic, uh, political crisis. You're going to see things collapse, and he's going to have the answer to it all. He's going to bring in his deceptions. Uh, and uh, the question comes up and is asked a lot, and people have a lot of ideas on, on this uh, answer to this question. Now, I would just say this before we get into it, and we're just going to touch on it lightly a bit of time that we have, is that whatever you believe, whatever you think the answer to this question is, you better make sure that it's based on Scripture and that you have the Bible verses and such to prove it. That it's not just something that someone has said. Because remember, we are in the day of deception. This Antichrist will come with deception. If he's close to being upon the scene, that means deception is already working. The mystery of iniquity is already at work. And this deception is going to be already rolling along. Okay? And the Lord Jesus himself, didn't he say in Matthew 24, 4 to his uh, disciples, they asked, when is the end of the world and when is your coming and all these things? And the, he says to them, take heed that no man deceive you. Before you get the answer to the question that you're asking, you better make sure that nobody deceives you. How is that possible? 
How can we be 100% sure that we're not deceived? Get yourself into Scripture. The Word of God is the truth. Okay? There it is, the truth. Thy Word is truth. If we follow what the Word of God says and what somebody says, well, this is what's going to take place. Well, what does it say in the Bible? You must go back to the Bible. You always look to it for everything in life. Somebody has a, a, a comment on this or that. Well, what does the Bible say about that? Get yourself used to that. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about that. This uh, time of deception. So where are the Christians in this time? When this uh, individual is upon the scene, this white horse is going forward, that first seal has been opened. Now we've touched on this and talked about it, but it, it's, it's something that's worth repeating. It's something very important. Uh, many folks today believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. And like I said, you better be able to prove it from Scripture. I used to think that way, but I don't think like that anymore. I don't believe that that is um, um, what the Bible teaches. Is it a deception? Is the pre-tribulation rapture a deception? Well, not to be harsh or unkind to anybody, and I'm not putting anybody down, but deception uh, comes in many forms, so it would seem... Um, if it's not true, then what is it? Okay. And I'm going to show you today, and well, we've talked about it before, some things about uh, these particular things. Where is the mention of the removal of the saints at this time? Where is the church? Where is the removal of it? And you'll get all kinds of answers and such. And, and going through Revelation, one of the uh, most common ones is go back to chapter 4, verse 1, when John sees a door opened in heaven and a voice says, Come up here. And immediately I was in the spirit, he says, and there he was in the presence of God. They say, see, that's the rapture of the church or the gathering of Christ. Well, it doesn't say that. Um, the interpretation of that is John was told to come up. But you can have an application and say, well, I think that's what that means. But your application is not the interpretation of scripture. And others say, well, you see, after chapter 3, the church isn't mentioned. Okay, well, maybe that's something, is it? Or is it? Well, did you know that in 2 Peter, 1 and 2 John, and Jude, the church is not mentioned? Well, does that mean it doesn't exist or it isn't there? No, that doesn't mean that at all. To say that the church isn't mentioned after chapter 3 is irrelevant. Are saints mentioned? Sure they are. Sure they are. My point is this. You have to have, and the scripture will give us, and does give us, not the date and the time, but in the order of events, it will tell us, and does tell us, when that takes place. You see, the error that's made is thinking that that whole seven years is the wrath of God, and it is not the wrath of God. The wrath of God is in the trumpets and the vials and the bowls. That first section of the seals is not the wrath of God simply because that's what the Bible says. If you go down through chapter 6, you'll find you get down to, um, you'll get to the, the sixth seal. And then uh, they have a mention, here's a mention of the wrath of God coming upon the scene. So I mean, we talked about that last time. But one of the most, uh, not one of the most important, I shouldn't say it that way, but an, an important portion of scripture that tells us and shows us some things about the timing of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now when the Lord comes back, um, 
we like to think of it, not like to think of it, it seems to be that it's in like two phases. He comes in the clouds and every eye shall see him. And then how long is he there? Well, we'll get, have a look at that. And then a little later, he actually comes down to the earth. We talked about that in the last video. Now, I just want to reference 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 for, for a bit here and just to talk about these things again because it's very, very important. Because I do believe, and the scripture tells us to be very careful of deception, and I believe there's a lot of people that have been deceived, and they have simply accepted what some individual has said, or some book, uh, says in some book, or some Bible college, or professor, or whatever. Well-meaning people, but it doesn't mean that what they're saying is 100% true according to the scripture. Now let's just look at this again. And you tell me what you think this says. But again, not according to what our thinking is, but according to what the Bible says. So in 2 Thessalonians um, chapter 2, he says, Now we beseech you, brethren. He's, it's not a begging, but it's a strong, strong urging and, and request of them. Okay, So this is strong language. Says, I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying, brethren. I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to come back someday, perhaps very soon. Perhaps. And yes, could be perhaps very soon. By the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now note the context that's being set up in verse 1 here of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 1. There's two things mentioned here. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to return from heaven, okay? And we know that we know that the Bible teaches he's going to come from heaven in the clouds, and then he's going to we call the rapture. People call it the rapture, or the Bible calls it the gathering. Okay, he's going to come in the clouds and gather his people. So we see that here, and it says that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. Okay, there it is. There, that's the context. That's what he's talking about in this bit right here that you not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, whether by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. That means present, it's there. Don't let anybody fool you. If uh, somebody, not by spirit, not by word, not by letter, as from us, nothing at the day of Christ is at hand. In verse uh, uh, three, uh, let no man deceive you by any means. Now, just stop for a minute. What did the Lord Jesus say? They're coming out of the temple in Matthew 24, 4. Take heed that no man deceive you. The end times, especially in regards to end times things, there's going to be a lot of deception. So we have to look to just what the scripture says. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. That's in quotations, or rather italics, it means that wasn't in the original text as the Spirit of God gave it, it was just put in there to help us get the sense of what's being said. We were looking at um, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first and the man of sin is revealed. Now those two things are linked together. The man of sin is revealed when he comes upon the scene there's going to be a lot of deception, and there's going to be a lot of turning away from God, and perhaps even the persecution of God's um, uh, children. That will cause people to go away, I suppose. All these things together. 
Um, it's going to be a terrible, terrible, tremendous time in Christianity today, or Christendom, we call it, I guess. Uh, is everybody that um, goes to church, everybody that says they believe in Christ, are they actual believers? No. The Bible says that many in that day, in that day of judgment, shall say, Lord, Lord, uh, we, we prophesied in thy name, we cast out devils, we did many wonderful works in your name, and he says, I, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a sad, sad thing. That's a sad thing to think that um, people are doing all kinds of work and religious type things and, and they may not know Christ as their Savior. To get saved, it's a belief from your heart. It's not about doing. It's not about that. It's about being, believing, seeing yourself as that sinner, seeing Christ as the Savior. And it's personal. It's from the heart. Read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, and down through there. It tells you it's from the heart. But um, there's going to be a deception in the last days about the time of Christ's coming and a deception about the gathering, the rapture of God's people. It says it's not going to happen. You see that? Read it. The Bible says it's not going to happen until there's a falling away, which where we get our word apostasy from, and the man of sin is revealed. Now, pre-tribulation rapture tells us that that's going to happen before those things. The Bible says, no, it's going to happen after those things. Christ is coming after those things. So you have to settle it in your heart. You're going to believe what somebody else says. You're going to believe what the majority of people say. Or are you going to believe what the Word of God says? He says it very clearly. Now, people will have arguments and say, I'm not making fun of anybody or putting anybody down. I'm just simply saying, hey, look at it. It would appear, it would appear that there's a great deception amongst God's people. Picture yourself. If what I'm telling you is true, you look at it. If, if, if what I'm telling you, according to this word, word before us, is true, if, if we've looked at this rightly here, and, 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 and it says it, it's pretty clear, Okay, Jesus coming in the clouds to gather his people is not going to happen until these other two things happen first. Could you imagine if you follow the pre-tribulation rapture, then the Antichrist is revealed, there he is upon the scene, what are you going to think? Your faith is going to be absolutely destroyed, you're going to think you missed the boat, you missed the rapture, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to think about. It's going to be an awful time for people. It's a deception upon individuals. Okay? The apostasy, the man of sin being revealed. Um, and the man of sin is revealed as the rider on the white horse. Because he brings about that peace pact, that covenant that's mentioned in Daniel 9.27. Check it out. Check it out. God's people are not removed until a little later on. If you're in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, we can look and see that way down at verse 12, there's going to be a great earthquake when the sixth seal is um, opened. It says, The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. I believe we just talked about this recently. And that, that is one of the signs. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 says that the sun, the moon, and the stars are given for, one of the things is for signs. And you'll notice, before the wrath of God comes, 
the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to be darkened and they're going to have that affliction upon those things as a sign to show, I believe, that the wrath of God, the day of the Lord, the day of God is at hand. Now, you take your concordance, and I hope you have a concordance, and look up um, the day of God, the day of wrath, the day of the Lord in the Old Testament, and look up what kind of day that is. It's not a happy day. It's a day of darkness, a day of destruction. That's the wrath of God upon this world. Before it comes, you're going to have the um, sun, the moon, and the stars affected, darkened. Joel um, 2, verses 30 and 31. Again, we talked about this. This is basically a review. It's very, very important. Uh, it's the day of the Lord being at hand. But the day of the Lord... Uh, comes after the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened. Now, it's very, so important to get that. The day of the Lord, the day of wrath, comes after the sun, the moon, and the stars are darkened. Joel 12 says that. So we need to look and find that. And here we have it in Revelation, chapter 12. The sun, the moon, and the stars, a black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became as blood, the stars uh, fell from heaven... And then verses 16 and 17, the wrath of God is mentioned. And we know that believers will not be going through the wrath of God. Read uh, Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, chapter 5, and talk about those things. That the wrath of God is not going to be upon a believer. Because Christ took the wrath upon himself, paying for our sins. And any that, that trust in Christ as Savior are exempt from that because Jesus paid for that. But those that do not get saved will go through that, will experience the wrath of God. Not very, not a very pleasant thing, and not a very, uh, not a very uh, nice thing that we're talking about. These are difficult and hard things, but the thing to keep in mind is the deception. It's difficult to say I think I've been deceived. I spoke to somebody the other day about this, and uh, the individual kept referring back to, yes, but what about this? Well, where's your Bible verse for that? What about this? But doesn't it say, he would say, no, this comes before. I says, it doesn't. It comes after. The Bible says it comes after. Check it out yourself. Look for it. And... Uh, um, where were we? Oh, we're talking about the uh, uh, um, the rapture of the saints. Well, where is it? Well, we know that. So the wrath of God is announced at the end of the chapter. We're getting way ahead of ourselves, but this is important. And then chapter 7 is kind of like the, the scene shifts into heaven and a, a stop is put on all things so that the 144,000 can be sealed. These aren't those people that come around knocking on your door. To the uh, uh, Russellites come to your door, ask them what tribe they're from, because these are from the twelve tribes of uh, Israel. These are the Jewish people. It's not about about their their organization. It's not about that at all. They've been deceived. How can you say that nicely? That's about as nice as you can say it. Um, two things are going to take place in chapter seven. Before the day of God comes, before the wrath of God's poured out, he says, look, we've got to seal this 144,000, 
12,000 from each of the uh, 12 tribes of Israel because these people, these young men are going to go through that time of wrath because it's going to be a time of wrath also primarily upon the Jews. Go back and read Daniel 9.24 upon thy people and the holy city. The Jews and the holy city. That's primarily the whole earth is going to suffer for it. But the church the believers today have to be removed. And you'll find that uh, chapter 7, verse 14, the multitude in heaven. Now it's not mentioned before that. Where is it mentioned in, uh, in chapters 3 or 4 or 5 of Revelation? It's not. The believers aren't removed until after the Antichrist is revealed. That's the rider on the white horse and all the apostasy takes place. And then there's wars and all those things, everything falls apart and famines. Yes, we're going to be, we could be here for that. That's what it says. Prepare yourself. Strength, make sure your faith is strong in Jesus Christ and look into Him. It's very important, folks. We've got some things taking place around about us that are, are walking us up to this scenario here. So not to be, you know, uh, uh, trying to scare people or anything, but we should be looking to the Lord always, uh, you know, that should be the natural state. But anyways, we look at these things and we see this rider on the white horse coming forward with this deception. This is not the Lord Jesus. Some think this is Jesus because he's on a white horse. It's not. We compare the two. They both ride white horses. Yeah, okay. The first has a victor's crown like you would uh, receive from some game or contest. Jesus' crown is a diadem which a king wears. It's entirely different. And he's called the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The first has a, a, a weapon that uh, arrows aren't mentioned. Well, this doesn't really mean anything. But it almost, we can almost see that his, his weapon there isn't used. It's uh, bow's kind of useless without arrows kind of thing. But, you know, that's not a very good argument, though. But Jesus Christ, it says that he's... Uh, will use the sword of the word of God proceeds from his mouth and as he comes back. The first one here, this rider on the white horse, is simply a man. And when we get down to chapter 13, looking at the 666s, you'll note that we have this in the Bible. People are afraid of the six. Some people think it's a fun thing, you know, to, to use that for their license plate or have it tattooed on themselves or whatever. That's pretty stupid if you ask me, but anyways, you don't know, my opinions don't matter. It's nothing to be afraid of because the believers aren't going to be there at that time. We're not going to be there for that time. But the Lord tells us something in there in chapter 13 and talks about the 666 and the, uh, it's the name or the number of a man. It's just a man. Just a man. But the rider on the white horse in chapter 19 is not just a man. This is Jesus Christ. This is God Almighty coming back to set things straight, to rejuvenate this whole earth and everything just turned back. He's going to remove the squatters from off the earth, those that don't believe in such. He's going to destroy the armies of the unbelievers and the ungodly and the Antichrist, and he's going to set things up. Could be very soon he's coming back. But he's going to come back in the clouds first, remove his people, and then later on come down to the earth set things straight. So let's have a look. So the first seal... As it opens in the first rider, we can see that there's a tremendous deception. You would be well advised to take your concordance again and look up through the New Testament the word deception 
and just look at where it is and just familiarize yourself with that. Study your Bible, okay? Uh, we're, just gonna, we're gonna stop there. Next time we're gonna just have a look at the second horse and rider, just a little, little closer. So um, thank you very much. And uh, you have a good day. Look to the Lord. Tell other people about Jesus. That's the best thing for you. That'll strengthen you and help you. And uh, perhaps somebody will get saved. Okay? Be praying much. And let's just finish with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you in Jesus' name. Just take these things, Lord, and place them in the hearts of individuals. Lord, let us be as the Bereans and study the Bible to see if these things are so. Lord, we just pray you'd help us to be on guard for the deception around about us. Let us study your word, read the Bible, and take everything to you, Lord, and to your word, and see if these things are so. So, Lord, we thank you for your grace upon us. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just ask you to just bless each one that's watching here today, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. You take care, and I'll make another video just shortly, okay? Thank you very much. Bye now.